for text this evening will be taken from the uh, book of Matthew, the uh, 13th chapter. That's Matthew 13. We're going to read verses 24 through 30. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while the men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then he appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in the field? Thou filled. From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while we gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat unto my barns. How do you uh, identify the real thing? My dad, he enjoyed uh, plants. He enjoyed um, different types of trees. And he also, he he did a lot of uh, mushroom picking when I was a kid. Often as we would be walking through the woods, he would see a mushroom and he would say, you know, that is a, an edible mushroom. Or he would say, don't eat that one. That one is poisonous. Often he would pull out his pocket knife. He would cut that mushroom. And just in a few hours later at the campsite, he would generally be cooking up those mushrooms. I actually, I don't think I ever ate any of those mushrooms. But my dad knew a lot about mushrooms. The reason he knew something about those mushrooms is because he studied a lot of books to learn about them. There were some mushrooms he would tell me they look similar to this one, but that one is poison, but that one is edible. I trusted him, but I still did not eat them. But the point was he understood those mushrooms. He could identify the good ones from the bad ones the poisonous ones from the edible ones. The background of this parable is the wheat and the tares. And a few verses down in verses 36 through 43, by this point it says that Jesus sent away the multitude and the disciples asked Jesus to explain this parable of the tares of the field. And he said to him, He that sows the good seed is the Son of Man. He said, The field is the world. Good seed is the children of the kingdom. The enemy that sowed the bad seed is the adversary, and that is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. It says the Son of Man 
will send the angels at the end and they will remove everything that causes sin and those who do evil. And then it says the angels will throw them into a fiery furnace. It says where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then it says the righteous will shine like the sun in the father's kingdom. The audience would have had an understanding of what this meant, what this parable would have meant. The tares were a curse against the farmers in those days. I guess you could say it was kind of like a, a weed. As a, as a, a boy, we, we always had a garden at our house. And it seemed like continuously you had to weed it. I learned as you um, water and, and fertilize your plants, all you're really doing is also watering and fertilizing those weeds. And they just grow faster and faster. And you find yourself that you daily, weekly have to keep pulling those weeds. And if you let it go, before you know it, those weeds have choked away the plants which you're trying to grow. The weed itself was called bearded darnel. It says in the early stages, the tares and the wheat was impossible to distinguish between the two. But it said that once they produced the seed, they were easy to distinguish them. But it said you couldn't remove the tares without destroying the wheat, simply because the tares roots would wrap around the wheat's roots and it was impossible to remove them at that point. But this lesson teaches us how hard it is at times to distinguish to those who are the kingdom of heaven and those who are not. But it also teaches us over time that it lets our light shine and you will be able to tell the difference between. But I also think this lesson teaches us that we can and we must live a sanctified life in this present world. We must be that wheat. It says their judgment will come one day and separate the good from evil. I believe our job is just to let our light shine. And one day the Lord will come back and he will separate the tares and the wheat. Jesus is teaching through this parable that there is always an adversary. There is an adversary that is looking to destroy us. We know who that adversary is. The adversary is the devil or Satan. And he tries to blend in and he tries to, to, to camouflage himself from us. I used to, as a kid, go duck hunting a lot. And one thing that when you go duck hunting, you try to camouflage yourself from the ducks. By the, the way you do this is you build yourself a, what they call a duck blind. You take some uh, branches, often some uh, camouflage netting. And then maybe I remember my dad, he would cut tall grass and he would lay it in front of that duck blind. And then at that point we would hide behind that and wait for the ducks to come in. 
And as you looked at that duck blind, you, you probably couldn't see through it. But it was still just a duck blind. Every once in a while, I'm, I, as I'm driving down I-5 towards Seattle, I notice some spots where people have set up some duck blinds. It really doesn't blend in that well. You can always really tell it is a duck blind. I think sometimes Satan is good at trying to blend in, but if we're careful and we stay close to the Lord, we'll be able to see the difference. It says there in 1 Peter 5.8, it says to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Every time I, uh, I read this verse, it reminds me when you watch one on maybe an animal channel or an example of some sort of animals crossing a river. Often there'll be maybe the, the wildebeest or a, a zebra, maybe a gazelle, and they're trying to cross some sort of river to get to the other side. The problem is within that river, there's always an adversary. It seems like in every episode there is a crocodile or many crocodiles waiting to attack. But there's one thing that I've, I've always noticed that the safest place to be when you're crossing that river is right in the middle of the pack. They never seem to bother those ones. You know, I think that as a Christian is the safest place to be. We want to be the closest to the Lord as possible. But there's always those ones that are off to the fringes. You see that one that is swimming all by themselves, away from the pack. And that has always seemed to be the one that the crocodile or the adversary gets. We want to make sure that we don't find ourselves on the fringes. We want to make sure that we stay as close to the Lord as possible. And that will help us and protect us to get closer and make heaven our home. But that word sober... It says to be calm and collected. It says in Proverbs 16, 24, it says pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. We truly want to be calm and collected. The Lord wants us to be sober. The devil tries to work us up, but we want to have that attitude of being calm and collected. We want to have pleasant words. We want to be as sweet as that honeycomb. And we know that will be health to the bones. Vigilant. It says to be vigilant means to be watchful and to avoid danger. Hannah just recently got her permit. And one of the first things that I taught her driving. I said, you'll have no problem learning how to drive, back up, park. But I said, there, there's one thing I got to teach you. You have to learn to be a defensive driver. I said, you have to learn to be looking out for other drivers. You may be a good driver, but the reality of it is there are a lot of bad drivers. And there's a lot of drivers that aren't paying attention. We want to be vigilant in our spiritual walk. We want to be watchful and we want to avoid that danger. 
In Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtil than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Subtil means elusive, cunning, crafty, sly. If you were looking for personality traits, for somebody to do something bad to somebody else, these are traits you would want. And these are the traits that Satan has. These are the methods that he uses to achieve what he wants. And ultimately, he wants us to fall and ultimately wants to discourage us. But how do we identify true doctrine? And how do we not get carried away with false doctrine? And this is nothing new. It says in Hebrews 13, 9, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. So this has been going on for a, a long time. But, you know, this isn't something that I've come up with. It's something that you hear often over and over in every aspect of life. They tell you this. The best way to uh, catch a counterfeit or catch, catch something that is false, and that is to study the real thing. The best way that we can stay close to the Lord is by studying his word and being going to prayer and being as close as we possibly can to the Lord. And then we can identify at that point if something is diverse or a strange doctrine. I jotted down a few things here. Um, some of the, what I guess I would say, tricks of the devil. I even looked up online what is the greatest trick of the devil ever played. And what, what came up was, was convincing the world that he did not exist. You know, the, the devil would love to convince us there is no devil. He would love to convince us there is no God. There is no hell and there is no heaven. But that is truly a trick of the devil. But I have one here that I remember kind of my own personal example when I was in my early 20s. I remember the, the devil coming along and kind of tempting me. And I remember he kind of put in my mind that nobody cares. Or you just kind of feel invisible. You feel like those around could care less if you're there or not there. I remember even kind of feeling about that about Sunday school. Thinking if I came or I didn't come, nobody would really care. You know, years later, I had mentioned this and somebody had come up to me and said to me, the Lord had laid it on my heart to come to speak to you during that time, but I never did it. And I'm sorry. But, you know, that is truly the, the trick of the devil. I remember the Lord coming to me and saying, I care and I love you. And it is important for you to be there. You know, as I... Uh, get a little bit older, I, I realize how important the, the family of God is. My dad passed away about a, about a year ago. And at that point, one of the most uh, stressful things was I, was I was hoping to want to give him at least, a, I guess you would say, a, a proper burial. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for the family of God. You know, the, many people reached out through texts and calls you know, the, the family of God came and they, they allowed us to 
put on a, a service. You know, it is great to have the family of God. That is a, a trick of the devil to try to make you feel like nobody cares. There are truly those who do care, and we want to, and that's only the devil trying to discourage us and make us believe that nobody cares. It says in Hebrews 4.15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You know, it is a promise to know that whatever we go through, wherever we're at, the Lord has went through the same thing. And he will be there, and he will guide over us, and he will always protect us. I had mentioned earlier that I believe that this text is also talking about that we can live a sanctified life. As I was thinking about living a, a sanctified life, I don't know why this, this popped in my head, but I thought of reviews. Often when you go on a, on a, online to buy something, you look at reviews. And I thought to myself, I, I wonder what kind of review living a sanctified life would get. You know, I kind of come up with that. I don't know if it would get, it should get a five star review. But I don't know if that would be very popular today. But I believe that I know that God wants us to live that sanctified life. In Hebrews 13, 12, it says, Wherefore, Jesus also, that we might be sanctified, the people with his own blood, suffered without the gates. It says the word sanctified means to be, to, to be holy, to be purified, consecrated, dedicated, and separated. That is what God wants us to be. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be purified. He wants us to be a consecrated soldier for him. He wants us to be dedicated, and he wants us to be separate from the world. That Those tares and that wheat was separate. When it grew, you could tell there was a difference between the two. And we also should let our lights shine, that we also can be seen different than the world. In 1 Peter 1, 6, it reads, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God has demanded holiness of our lives. In closing tonight, recently I was um, looking online at, um, they call them soft plyo boxes. A lot of people probably wouldn't even know what a, a soft plyo box. A lot of people use what they call a wood plyo box. And they just jump on them. They're made that they can be anywhere from 20 inch. If you tip it up, it goes to 24 inch. And you tip it up a certain angle, it goes up to 30 inch. The reason they make what they call a soft plyo box is they put padding around it. Sometimes people, as they're jumping on them, come up a little short and they hit their shins and it doesn't feel very good. But I was looking at, online at them and they had them anywhere from weighing from 14 pounds to 70 pounds. But they all looked exactly the same. They had the same vinyl. They had nice numbering and lettering on them. But there was a big distinguish between them. And often when you would look at something, you wouldn't look at the weight. But I knew just enough when it came to soft plyo boxes. The only way to, to make a soft plyo box stable and able to actually jump on it, it has to have weight to it. And I knew that uh, even with the price looked really good, a 14 pound plyo box 
you wouldn't be able to jump on it very well. What really matters the most of a plyo box is what's inside. The weight of it tells us everything about how stable that plyo box is. You know, I am thankful that the Lord gives us the best. You know, we, we, we are, I'm thankful and I, that we come to a church that still preaches real salvation. You know, it, it's what's inside that matters. There's a lot of things out there that can look the same, but, but it's really what's inside that matters. And you know, I'm thankful that we, we go to a church that preaches that we can still live a holy life. Maybe tonight you're on the fringe, but you know, before you leave tonight, you don't have to be on the fringe anymore. Before you leave tonight, you can be, and you can dedicate and give your life to the Lord. And tonight you could be sitting at the feet of Jesus. God bless you. Let's sing page 657 and the altars are open.